When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we like to relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of course on which platform you choose to follow us on. And guys, it is the climax of the season, the final five races to go in the season, should do that because the microphone's in the way for those on YouTube, but five races to go in the F1 season and we are once again talking about the climactic battle that we are going to see in fraud between two of the biggest protagonists in Formula One today, be Lewis Hamilton, the reigning champion, and Max Verstappen. But we are going to be previewing the Mexican Grand Prix. And joining us on this podcast, as always, my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, how are you doing this evening? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, battling a slight case of man flu, but I'm going to persevere and I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Well, that's good. Doing better than most men, from what I hear. Every time you get a case of man flu, it's almost like a, well, you're saying their last rites almost in a weird way, the way some guys go about it. But nonetheless, well done for uh, turning up for the show. Hope you feel better soon. But of course, joining us once again for a very special episode, making her third appearance, I believe, on the podcast. It's Menena, otherwise known as a Girl Talks F1. Menena, como estas? How are you doing? Hi, muy bien, Adam. Thank you guys so much for having me once again. And yeah, for me, it's awesome to be in the Mexican Grand Prix review of your video. Probably for me, the most awaited race of the season. Absolutely. And by the sounds of it, and of course, the preparation and the excitement and the buzz amongst the locals like yourself, I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of the most exciting races this season. We certainly hope it's going to have the drama. We've certainly had plenty of that already this season. So I can't wait to see what Mexico has in store for us. It's certainly going to be an atmosphere that's going to be arrive, um, well, rivaling your friends a bit further north in America after a great job that they did. So no pressure there on the Mexican fan base, I must say. Oh, no worries. No pressure. Mexican Grand Prix has already won the best event of the season five years in a row. So, yeah. Yep. U.S. is going to wish they were us, actually. (laughs) Well, I love a bit of friendly banter, of course. I mean, it was probably voted the best atmosphere last season, even though we didn't have a Mexican Grand Prix, if I remember rightly. So, uh, 
it just shows how powerful the Mexican fan base can be in Formula One. Of course, enough pandering to the locals as I often do. Let's get right into the action. Of course, there's no better place to start, as we always often do on this show, than the battle at the front between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Now, Courtney, of course, after such a titanic battle at the US Grand Prix, which for all the world seemed that Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes were going to lay another blow on Red Bull, it didn't quite turn out that way with Max Verstappen getting an unlikely but incredible victory at the Grand Prix. We're going to a circuit now where we're expecting Red Bull to be not only the favourites, but quite comfortable. And in a season where it's not necessarily gone to form, will Mercedes be hoping that they can sort of turn that to their advantage and get an unlikely win at Mexico this weekend? I think they have to. In all honesty, um, you know, we're getting to the part of the season now where it's difficult to avoid the sporting cliches, but we really are approaching the business end of the season now. And I just get the feeling that if, uh, if Max Verstappen gets another win under his belt, he's going to have one hand on the, uh, the championship trophy. So do I believe Red Bull will have the strongest package? It's likely. It'd be interesting to see how Mercedes can handle the change in um in climate, given the altitude of the circuit, which sort of mitigates engine performance. So Mercedes is going to have to try and find a way around that. If they do, then they're certainly in the race. But it all comes down to the adjustments Mercedes can make to their package to stay competitive. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we've been talking a lot in the last couple of weeks about Mercedes' newish rear suspension trick, I should say, that has allowed them to get a bit more performance. And of course, they're pushing the engine to its limits, much to the detriment of its reliability in order to extract the most performance. And it feels like they're going to have to do something similar this weekend. Of course, we should stress that engine performance is not necessarily the go-to for this weekend. It's a lot of tight turns. It's a lot of slow corners. Mechanical grip of the car is going to be oh so essential. All of the traits that normally play to Red Bull's strengths. But we have seen at some races this season that Mercedes have shown a little bit more performance in their car than what was once previously thought. So with that in mind, Courtney, we had Andrew Shovlin, of course, saying that Mercedes have a car to be competitive on all circuits. How confident do you think that they will be going into this Grand Prix that they could cause an unlikely upset and perhaps one that they need to? A few races ago, I would have said, you know what, it's going to be impossible for Mercedes to win this race. But as we've already said in previous episodes about the changes that made to the suspension, they seem to have unlocked something that makes them more consistently competitive. And as I said before, they simply have to be. We, we're, getting, we're getting to the point of the season now where every result, every position, each driver finishes, it's all so important. So, and I'm sure Mercedes are aware of that too. So I'm sure they're going to be doing all sorts of research this week to maximise the package because they're going to have to to win this Drivers' Championship. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And if there is a team that is capable as well as having to uh, try and get a result like this on an unlikely venue, I suppose. It's certainly Mercedes who have had some level of success in the past. Um, Menena, of course, coming to you now. Um, no prizes for guessing who you're going to be supporting this weekend. <laughs> but as a lot of other Mexican fans, I have no doubt will certainly be very partisan to this weekend. And I certainly can't wait for the atmosphere, I must say. I'm quite, in- I'm quite intrigued to know where everyone in Mexico, where the local thoughts are going to be this weekend. Because whilst we have the obvious favourite in Checo Perez, obviously in a car that is now more than capable of winning a Grand Prix and winning this one more than any other, um, do you feel that they will be certainly getting behind Max Verstappen, his teammate, if, of course, he is going to be the guy to win this race? Or do you feel that they'll just be happy if Checo Perez gets the result, regardless of what happens in the championship battle? 
No, like, like you said, obviously we're all rooting for Chico to win. That's kind of obvious, but you know, Mexicans are very much like that in the sense that wherever the Mexican goes, we follow, you know? So Mexico is big on Max Verstappen this season, thanks to Chico. So every single Mexican is going like, Chico has to win the Grand Prix, but if he doesn't win, Max Verstappen has to win. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know anybody. Like I haven't heard anybody yet that would like for Lewis Hamilton to win, for example. Yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable. I think if we casted our minds back to the US Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, of course, there was a brief moment where Checo Perez was on provisional pole after the first runs. And I think that got the largest cheer of anybody at the circuit. Bear in mind, yeah, it was brilliant to see. And that was so weird for me because he's Mexican, not American. And I think he had the biggest following in Austin, which was amazing, to be honest. But I feel that that's the thing. In Texas, there's a lot of Latin people so you're obviously going to support the country right next to you. Since there's no Americans in Formula One, I think that's why they support the Mexican, let's say. But I want to say something, you know, earlier that you were saying that Mercedes has big possibilities of winning Mexico. I do think that can happen. But the thing is, Red Bull has been so strong this season and I'm not favoring anybody. I'm just like stating the facts. Max Verstappen has won races like Austin and Monaco in which he had never won before. I think he hadn't, hadn't even been on the podiums or something like that. And he's taking away those victories from Lewis Hamilton, you know? And Max Verstappen has already won twice in Mexico, same as Lewis Hamilton. So I do think it's going to be like an easy track for him. Well, you sound very confident. I, I, love, I do enjoy because I was going to ask, like, um, how tight do you think it's going to be? But you seem rather confident that Red Bull, and in particular, maybe one of Max or Checo, is going to almost run away with this Grand Prix, if, if, if I'm not twisting your words, of course. No, no, no. You're like, that's exactly it. I do expect probably like a one two from Red Bull, could be. I don't know. Because like you guys were saying, Lewis Hamilton is and Mercedes in general is getting really hungry for that championship. And the more it slips away, you know, the more they try to keep up with Red Bull. So I do think it's going to be a tight race. But who knows? Maybe even Valtteri Bottas can surprise us and take the victory, you know? I don't know. Anything can happen in the Mexican Grand Prix. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, for those of you who think we're only inviting Lewis Hamilton fans on the show, quite clearly, uh, we have someone that's very, very much uh, fancies the Red Bulls this weekend. But then you have every reason to fancy the mm. Red Bulls this weekend. This is a circuit that we've seen so many times in the past, regardless of whether Red Bull have had the most competitive car. And in most of this hybrid era, they haven't. But each time we've turned up to uh, the Autodromo uh, Rodrigo Rodriguez, Forgive me if I pronounced that wrong. Um, Red Bull have always been very, very strong here. Um, more than more often than not, they've been the team to beat. So with all that in mind, Courtney, would you would you say that Red Bull look the overwhelming favourites this weekend? Or do you feel that, you know, that this could be a weekend where Lewis may turn up and put in a superb performance that gets his championship back on track? Um, where, how do you feel this is going to go down? I mean, on pure pace, I'd say Red Bull will be favourites. But I just think we're getting to the part of the season now where every result matters. Just not just between Lewis and Max. Right. If you look further down the field, like between um, Ferrari and McLaren, 
even some midfield battles between Alpine and Aston Martin. And I think we're going to get to situations now where there's, there's going to be more incidents, more safety cars. And I think coming towards the end of the season, I think strategy is going to actually play more of a part in some of these race results. Am I still confident in Red Bull? Of course, because strategically they've been fairly strong. Red Bull have been almost flawless every department. So, you know, Max Verstappen fans, Red Bull fans have a reason to feel confident. But we are getting to that stage now where anything can happen in any race now. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we went to the US Grand Prix thinking that Mercedes, despite perhaps not again the best result they would have wanted in Turkey, they looked rather confident that they were going to get a result. And on the Friday, it looked like they were going to be comfortable in the team to beat. And I think there was a lot of worry, I think, from a lot of Red Bull fans that perhaps Mercedes had once again found that golden nugget of performance that they so often do out of nowhere that puts them back on top and, you know, almost feels like this championship could have gone from Verstappen's hands. And yet they turned it around. They put in a great performance and Max in particular was superb. Checo was superb as well, despite being quite some distance off the leaders and of course both Red Bull drivers shaking off uh, some illness you know they still did an incredible job it was one of Checo's best performances this season it's just we didn't get to see much of it because he was so far behind the leading two um but on the subject of Checo um Menena as we've already established the Mexican fans are very much going to be coming out in their droves to support their home driver um this weekend is there a fear, though, amongst the fans that Red Bull could be in a position where Checo could be winning the Grand Prix on the verge of winning it and then having to sacrifice that victory for Max in order to give him the best possible chance to win this world championship? I think we all kind of already made up our minds about that. We're all hoping for Checo to win, but we're not sure he's going to be allowed to win. So we're all going like, okay, well, we all want Checo to win, obviously, but if he doesn't win, Max Verstappen, you know, but at least like a double podium. So yeah, we're all kind of hopeful, just not expecting anything. Yeah. And I feel this is something that all of us Mexicans are feeling because all of my friends that are going, we've talked about this and we've all agreed and come to the same conclusion. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, I mean, I've been seeing a lot in the news and a lot of people saying that they'd be very disappointed if Red Bull uh, went on the radio, for example, and said to Checo that you need to let Max through to let him win the race for the championship. But then we've heard, as disappointing as it would be, we've heard a lot of this over the years. You know, Hamilton has had that for Bottas. How many times have we seen James get on the radio to Bottas and say you need to let Lewis have the win. Russia a few years ago was a very famous one um, where, you know, and, and Toto Wolf referring to Valtteri once a Hungary as the perfect wingman. Um, you know, so, and, and Lewis has repaid the favour to Bottas. We should stress, he ha- you know, in, in the form of a race win or a podium that he's given him um, in, in the past. So it's not like it's all been one way, but this is Formula One. This is how it goes. If you want to win championships, the last thing Red Bull are going to want to do is think, oh, we should let Checo have this win because it's in front of his home crowd and then lose the championship by six points or so to Lewis Hamilton uh, because you didn't give Max the win on that day. That would not go down well. I don't think they're well. going to say it on the radio because Mexicans are very passionate and they can start hating on the team. I mean, everybody started consuming Red Bull in Mexico since Checo was on Red Bull. 
we were more like a we used to drink boost i don't know if you guys know what that is but now oh, we know boost. red bull yeah. <laughs> and i'm like oh coincidence i don't think so so i don't really think they would dare to say it on the radio but maybe they would say it to him before the race oh absolutely like, i agree with you that. know what you have to do mm. don't compromise us you know so yeah, I don't really very true. they would be able to do that. <laughs> no, it's very, very, very true. And of course, other energy drinks are available wherever you are around the world. Um, <laughs> we, sh- we should mention um, because we're not endorsed by either of them, unfortunately. But um, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I-, I think there could be a method in which Red Bull may adopt to instruct Perez that if there is a situation where you know you're leading the race towards the end and Max is behind you, there'll be some sort of code where they'll ask him to move over and let Max have the win. Of course. You know, we should also sure. mention that they're not going to sacrifice his race if Lewis Hamilton is behind him and promote Max the second. That's stupid. They're not going to do that either. That's what I was going to say. Like, if Chico is leading and Max is in second place, they would let Chico have it, you know? The problem would be if Max is in first and Lewis is in second or Lewis is in first and Max is in second. That's where they wouldn't, like, they wouldn't have to let Chico just become the defense. But if Chico is first and Max is second, I think they would allow that. Yeah. No, no, absolutely right. Makes sense, Max. Mm. I mean, it would be interesting to see how that goes down. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be interesting to see how that goes down. Um, I'm fully expecting a situation where, uh, with all respect to Checo, that Max will probably be the favourite this weekend and probably will still have a bit of a pace advantage that where that's not an issue. But of course, that could be the insurance policy that we may have to see from Red Bull if that situation arises. Um, Overall, Manina, how have you rated Checo's first season at Red Bull? Because we've kind of been of the opinion that he's had some really good moments. Of course, uh, in Baku, where he won his first race, he was brilliant that day. Um, He's had a few really strong days, of course, in France, uh, in Austin last week. But in fairness, there have been a few occasions this season where he has struggled, mostly in qualifying to his teammate, um, which could have been a much better help for the team if he was better off. How have you rated his first season so far at Red Bull? You know, I can't give him like a specific number, but I I never really base myself on qualifying because we've seen Mercedes, I mean... Lewis Hamilton a lot of times has pretended that he's not that great in qualifying and then he ends up winning the races, you know? So I don't really judge. And then Carlos Sainz and Jacques Leclerc are amazing in qualifying and then the races come and they're still good, just not as good as qualifying. I mean, we have George Russell and Williams in second place, you know, starting in second place. That's why I never really pay that much attention to qualifying because it's not the race. But I do feel he has had his, like, ups and downs. Like, he was really consistent when he said that he was asking for five races. And then the fifth race, he did amazingly. I think he got a podium or a victory or something on the fifth race. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a bajan. Something like that. And that was amazing. And then, like, what, two, three races, he was performing really well. And then he started struggling so much. Like, I don't know. I'm very, like, into psychology in the sense that, I mean, these drivers are always constantly feeling the pressure. And that was around the same time that Max Verstappen was really struggling as well. So I feel that they were both going down at the same time. And now he's doing amazingly. Like these past few races, he's been very consistent. I was a little bit scared of him losing his contract with Red Bull because we all know Red Bull is not afraid 
to tear down a contract. It's like they just announced him and then he starts struggling. And I was like, this is not what we were expecting. But now he's doing great. So I do feel he's going to have like a strong end to the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think what's important for Checo for the rest of this season and of course next season as well is his qualifying performances whilst I haven't been his best um, quality this season more of what he did in Austin I think is definitely uh, what the doctor would order for him Um, if he can put himself in a position where he's at the very minimum on the second row of the grid behind Bottas, Hamilton and Max at the very least then he'll put himself in a great position um, to do what he does in the race you know he was so strong in the race that we're talking about could Max do the one stopper and Checo despite his issues he managed to do that rather well also so you, you can't rule him out um, and he has been getting better in recent weeks, which is what Red Bull need. And, and there is a late chance with, with the Mercedes reliability issues that they could end up winning this Constructors' Championship as well. It's certainly not out of the question at the moment. Um, guys, let's move on to Valtteri Bottas, if we can. We haven't really talked about Bottas at all yet. Um, it's an interesting one for him because, of course, now we know it's most likely that he's going to be in an Alfa Romeo next season uh, rather than an Andretti car owing to what has been going in the news the last week or so, which is a shame, but, you know, it's always nice to see Alfa Romeo in Formula 1, so I think we can wait on an American franchise a little bit longer. I'm sure they'll come around sooner rather than later. Um, But what is his role this weekend? Because for Bottas, he's had a lot of issues with engine reliability. I think he's up to his sixth power unit now, or sixth ICE, if you like. So for him... I don't know. What do you think's going to go? What do you think's going through Bottas's mind right now, Corny? Do you feel that he needs to try and just put that to one side and just do the best job he can, or do you feel like he's going to have some more reliability issues? Because right now it just seems to be him that's having the issues, fortunately, rather than his teammate, who obviously needs the reliability more. I think since it's been um, he's moved out from Mayo, has been announced. Um, I think it's been well documented that Valtteri Bottas's performances have definitely improved. He's definitely got or weight off his shoulders because he's constantly been fighting for that seat. And ever since, yeah, as I said, ever since it's been announced, he's been in a much better position. I still think he could do a little bit better in terms of overtaking. He did seem to struggle a little bit in Austin. Um, but I do I do believe that he's just found that bit of pace that could be vital in this um, Constructors' Championship. And, you know, I'm still going to stand by the belief that as much as I believe Max Verstappen will win the uh, Drivers' Championship, I just think, with the performances that Bottas has been putting in recently, I think it could be the difference for Mercedes winning the constructors. Yeah, very much so. And uh, I think, Maneno, if you remember right, you and I actually had that prediction during our season preview video many, many months ago. Um, so uh, we're still on for that one at the moment, looking like a couple of uh, Mystic Megs at the moment. Might have to do the lottery at some point. Um, I, already, I already have the meme I'm going to share once Max Verstappen wins. It's a little boy with the face that's like, oh. you keep with your question. Let me see what it says. <laughs> it's so funny. I think I will then. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely leaving that in. Um, well, in the meantime, Courtney, let's keep talking about Bottas while Manena looks for the meme. I don't know if we're going to see it because of the background, but we'll have to persevere anyway. I'll read it. You know, it's a typical little, yeah, it's a phone. The little oh, phone yeah. I know that one. one. We know the one. Oh, well, not they've actually memed him with Jacques Leclerc. Yeah, but yeah. But it says, me watching what I predicted unfold after everybody told me I was crazy. <laughs> and the boy's like... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I already have it to share it. I'm just waiting for the right moment. 
Yeah, I, I'm thinking Abu Dhabi at some point, probably, um, the way that's going down. But well, yeah, I'll definitely have to look out on your Instas for that when that one comes out. Um, Courtney, of course, yeah, with Bottas, um, th- there is a lot of pressure on him to get a result. Although, in fairness to Bottas, he's not really done much wrong, to be honest. He's done the best job he can. He's been plagued by reliability issues. His role in this championship is very critical, but it almost feels like at the moment that he is very much the, uh, how would you like it, the fourth wheel I suppose, in this sort of uh, fight with Perez, Verstappen and Hamilton. Um, do you think Bottas could put himself in a position if he has no reliability issues to perhaps win this Grand Prix or better yet, do a job to help his teammate? Again, I think it all depends on how this race unfolds. Um, I've got a big suspicion there's going to be an incident at Turn 1. I just think given... The scenario we find ourselves in, and we know along that long straight, there's a hell of a lot of uh, slipstreaming. And I just get the feeling we could expect a high-profile incident. If that was to occur, and let's say hypothetically, I suggest you put your hands over your ears, Manana. If hypothetically both Fred Balls and maybe Lewis get wiped out at turn one, then of course that puts uh, Valtteri in a favourable position. Or maybe even a safety car causing strategy. You just never know. But I think Valtteri's put himself in a position where he's performing just good enough. Like in a better position than he was compared to before. He's now putting himself in a position where if Lewis or Max either don't show up or they have problems, then he's going to be in a position to win that race. And that's why I do feel that he can make a difference in the uh, constructors. Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, because I was going to mention turn one, because, of course, we've got that huge rundown to turn one, um, where pole position doesn't really seem like much of an advantage. I almost feel like if you get pole position, it's almost like a poison chalice. I mean, Manena, if you were driving at this race this weekend and you were in qualifying... i crash. Uh, well, well, you, <laughs> you said it. Um, yeah, but... Uh, it, no, it, I mean, I think Max, the Mexican track is such a simple track like it's got this huge like straight line but it has a lot of chicanes and tight curves which is what makes it a little bit challenging i that's my perception well i mean let's let's say you know for argument's sake that you you don't crash straight away you're an elite level driver fighting for a world championship Um, well whenever you like really um i mean the world's getting more progressive all the time who knows you know i mean jamie chadwick won the w series for a second year in a row we could see her in formula one in a few years time in a, in an ideal world why not but um let's they say that you you know you are in that position where would you want to start on the grid would you want to start on pole or would you rather start say second third or even fourth given how huge that slipstream can be probably like a little bit more in the middle because like you guys said the starting positions in the Mexican Grand Prix are always the most challenging because all of the cars are kind of going like on top of you, you know? So I think I would like to start in the middle, which is where the drivers are a bit more careful, let's say, and then start overtaking during the race where all of the cars are a bit more spread out. So, yeah. <laughs> what I'm hoping for is a situation similar to the rundown at the Camel Strait in 2018 in Belgium, where you had the two Force Indias of Perez and Ocon, Hamilton, and then you had Vettel going out of nowhere like a bat out of hell, as the way Crofty did on commentary. Um, I, I want a situation like that, where you've got the two Red Bulls side by side, the two Mercedes in the middle, and out of nowhere, you see a Ferrari or a McLaren, maybe. Or in a funny world, Fernando Alonso and an Alpine just coming out of nowhere and he just uh, takes everybody for lead. 
I think Mazepin might be a bit too far back. Um, so he might want to be far away from that as possible, ideally. Oh, but, God, yeah. yeah. Imagine if he ended up first into turn one. That'd be quite a show. Um, but yeah, you know, it's certainly something to look out for. Um, and I think that's going to be critical. I mean, it's, it's a circuit where strategy is rather straightforward. It's normally a one or, you know, two stop if the tyres are really bad. Um, so I think it's going to be so key track position. If you can get there early on, I think you're in a good position to, if you, as long as you can manage your tyres to do well. So Checo might fancy it this weekend. He is an expert at managing his tyres. Yeah, so, he's a tyre master. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, for the benefit of this, guys, I think we can all probably agree that the top three perhaps is going to consist of three of those four cars. So I'm going to come to you both for predictions now. Uh, Menena, who do you think is going to get on pole position and who do you think is going to be in the top three this weekend? Oh, my gosh, this is so scary. Okay, so I just want to be positive And I'm really expecting for, even if he doesn't win, for Checo to get pole position. Because he's never gotten a pole either. And he almost got it in Austin. So I do really expect for him to get a pole in Mexico. And my first three places. Well, I'm not going to be that positive. I'm just going to be realistic. Max Verstappen, first place. Checo Perez, second place. And Lewis Hamilton, third place. Fair enough. I think Checo's, if he's not already, I think he's quite close to having the record for the most uh, Grand Prix without a pole position. I'm pretty sure he's, cl- I'm pretty sure he's close be. to that. I'd have Let's to hope that if he doesn't win this Grand Prix, at least he can get a pole, you know? Yeah. Because Red Bull wouldn't mind that. It's just a pole position. Very true. Um, I mean, I've always gone with the mantra that the points are awarded on a Sunday um, and the sprint racing is kind of change that a little bit but then it hasn't so you know take take from it what you want um Courtney how about you who's pole this weekend and who's going to be in the top three I think Max would have taken a lot from that last result in Austin um so I believe that Max is going to get pole and the win I think Lewis is gonna be second and then Perez third but I do believe at the same time I, I just feel that something big is going to happen this weekend. We're getting to that stage of the season now. And as I said before, that, that long run up to turn one, something's going to happen. Obviously, I don't know exactly what. I mean, I'm not clairvoyant. So I do. I think something major is going to happen. It's coming. It I'm very, scared. It very much could do so. <laughs> I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Oh Whereabouts are you sitting? Well, I'm going to be in a marshal, actually. Okay. That's, you're going to be even closer to the action. Yeah, I'm going to be in the pits, actually. So let's hope nothing happens because I don't want to see blood near me. <laughs> oh, I mean... You might see, you might see. If you say like the two drivers, say, say hypothetically speaking, Max and Lewis hit each other, you might get like a first-person perspective of any kind of aggro that happens between them walking back to the pits. I know, I know. I'm like... <laughs> I am cringing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, really excited, but a little bit nervous because I don't want any big drama, you know? Yeah. So, because I'm going to be there. But if I were watching the race on TV, the more drama, the merrier, you know? Yeah. I I'll get don't you. Like seeing crashes like in my face. <laughs> you might have to split them up, Manena. You might have to, might have to uh, spread them out between your hands. Might have to push them out of the way. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I, I'm kind Don't of. Stop. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of imagining uh, imagining a situation where Checo gets caught up and he has an incident at the end of turn one, and Menena's at the end at the beginning of the pit straight, and then all you see That's is a new, terrible. all you see is a new um, speed record down the back straight, and it's Menena running, darting over to try and check if Perez is okay, the first one there. So he hasn't even got out of the car. He's like, I don't care. I need to check he's okay. He is my boyfriend, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, well, there you go. There you have it, guys. You know, don't be fooled by Checo having a kid and a married wife. He's very much taken yeah. elsewhere. There you go. I mean, the cardboard version of him is my boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, got no, I've got no puns for that. I'm sure one will come to me at the end of this. So people listening will probably be grateful for that, that I don't have one until after we're done. But let's move right along. Speaking of drama, of course, uh, there was a really good interview from um, a British-based newspaper that I'm not going to name. Um, and, uh, and I only say that because, you know, I don't want to name them on here. That's, you know, that's me. But anyway, um, they did an interview with Toto Wolf that I'm sure a lot of people listening to this probably would have heard of on social media today. And it was actually rather good. Um, they were talking to him about his thoughts on the Drive to Survive series, on his rivalry with Christian Horner. And, um, and of course, most importantly, he was talking about the championship battle between Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And there was one quote that I found quite interesting that I do want to take and I will play a disclaimer that in the context of this article this might appear as an isolated content so don't a uh, context so don't take it as you know it's relative to what he's actually saying in there just take it for what it's it's merit in how he's put it um if that makes sense and he basically said along the lines of um and i'm going to quote this comment he said if it was to come to to the scenario of the last race in abu dhabi and they were to be racing each other for the title whoever is in front is absolutely going to try and do the same as in the Senna Prost years. Now, basically what Toto is saying, that, and he's being asked about if one of Max or Lewis is leading this championship going into the last race, do you feel that they could do something to affect their rival, um, which will allow them to win the championship? Now, those comments there are actually quite strong because that would imply that he feels that one of them, whichever one is leading the championship going into the last race, could do something along the lines of what Senna and Prost did in 89 and 90, respectively. Of course, revolt, uh, roles being reversed. Um, Menena, upon hearing that, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel that Lewis and Max would resort to a tactic like that? Um, that probably wouldn't be very, very well, you know, well enjoyed, I suppose, if, if they did it. I mean, I do think that is absolutely possible because that's what they've been doing the whole season. I mean, I feel that Lewis is kind of feeling the championship slip away from him and Max feels the championship closer and closer to him that in a way they've both been sabotaging themselves a lot, which is when they've crashed against each other, which is when, you know, basically Max was on top of Lewis with the car. That was so savage. So I do think, well, like Courtney said, there could be an incident in Mexico and that incident could be very well between them, which I won't complain as long as they're both out of the race. That could make Checo win. But I do think it's like, these last races are going to be intense, very intense. And yeah, I mean, but it's not only like a Senna Prost thing. It's kind of like a Rosberg Hamilton thing as well. They were both constantly fighting against each other, but it is something that I think that 
if Max didn't win this next race, then the championship would be defined until Abu Dhabi. That's my opinion. Well, it's certainly interesting um, to get your thoughts on that. And obviously what Toto thinks of that, he seems quite adamant based on the context of this article that whichever one of them is going to lead, he wouldn't be surprised if they did something like what Senna and Prost did. And for those of you that know, don't know what I'm talking about, in 1989, of course, at Japan, uh, Prost, when Senna was trying to overtake him on the outside, to, to, or sorry, on the inside, turned into him before the corner to try and stop him making the overtake. And it took them both out of the race, although Senna carried on and got disqualified afterwards. And then, of course, the year after that, Ayrton Senna just completely straight line turn one and took Prost out to win the championship for himself in a complete role reversal. So Toto's basically saying he wouldn't be surprised if either one of Hamilton or Verstappen uh, did that to each other uh, to win the championship. I personally don't think they will. I don't think you'll end up with a situation where, you know, Lewis at the start sees Max alongside him and then just completely drives into him to take them both out of the race. Nor would I expect Max Verstappen to do the same thing to Lewis. Um, I know some people probably would disagree, but as aggressive as those two have been with each other, I don't think in either incident that we can look back on this season between the two of them, which has ended up in a crash where we've seen Monza and we've seen the one in Silverstone, neither of them have intended to take the other one out. Oh, no, never. And, it, yeah. it was just sabotaging, you know, like a race incident that, you know, they were just kind of like aggressively playing and instead of playing smart, they like, well, that they sabotaged themselves playing dirty, but it wasn't intentionally. No, I, I think. For me, as I said, I think from what we've seen this season, despite those two incidents, um, I don't think either of them are down to one of them thinking, I'm just going to take the other one out. I think there's a right. lot of respect for each other yeah. on the track um, and perhaps a lot more respect than people give them credit for off the track as well. I, I don't think we've seen a situation, despite the crashes that they've had, where they've both wanted to go at each other and they hate each other or anything. Like, well, I don't think we've seen anything like that at all. They've both very much yeah. quashed um, every time um, a media outlet has tried to stir the pot, if you like, between the two of them. Um, Courtney, what do you think about those comments from Toto Wolf? As I said, from the context of that alone, do you think it's fair to assume that or not be surprised if that sort of thing happens? Because, I mean, we're talking about a situation that we've only seen a few times. Perhaps Schumacher Villeneuve, I think, is another good example, where, of course, it didn't work out for the driver that tried to take the other one out. So do you think that's fair to assume that Lewis and Max would resort to those tactics? I mean, in one sense, he may have a point because if you have a look, you know, we've mentioned some of these, you know, great champions in the past, you know, Senna, Frost, Schumacher on various occasions, you know. So, and both Lewis and despite Max not being a champion yet, because even if he doesn't win this year, he will be a multiple world champion, in my opinion. Max already has already shown champion pedigree. And, with, you know, and I just feel that in, at some point in their careers, great champions are caught up in high-profile incidents. If, if there is anything done deliberately, I think it will be subtle. And this is where stewarding will have to come into it. I've, I hope that doesn't happen because what you don't want to see is a championship decided by a silly incident or a decision made by a steward. So say, for example, I don't know, Max and Lewis hit each other. Say Lewis was leader of the championship. Max went into Lewis, did damage to Lewis, and Max won the race to win the championship. Say situation occurred where the stewards disqualified Max on a race and then gave Lewis the win. It's not it wouldn't be the best way to win what has been a great championship. So let's hope that doesn't happen. But as we've already stated various times in this episode, 
I, I just feel that another big incident between the two is coming, but I don't think it'll be done deliberately. No. I think with all respect to both of them, I don't think there's been a time this season where... I mean, both of them at moments this season have tried to do what they can to make life more difficult for the other driver. But they've always done it within reason. I think in cases of Monza and Silverstone, both of them have gone for it aggressively. And because neither have given way, it ends up in both of them going out. Regardless of what you thought of either incident in terms of who you thought was to blame, if anybody was to blame in it and not be a racing incident. Um, I just can't imagine a situation where either one of them would be desperate enough to do something like that to win a world championship. I mean, it, it just wouldn't be right. And I think it would tarnish, as you say, Courtney, an otherwise fantastic season in the sport, but it would certainly create a lot of drama if something like that was to happen. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I'd be very surprised if someone decided to do that. Um, Anyway, look, let's let's move on, of course, to um, let's move on to McLaren and Ferrari. We haven't talked about them yet. Um, so this is quite an interesting dynamic between these two teams because it's been so back and forth between them this season where Ferrari have probably had the higher peaks. Uh, sorry, no, not Ferrari. McLaren, I should say, have had the higher peaks in performance. But Ferrari have been a bit more consistent all the way around. And there's always been that parity between the two where the Ferrari seemed like the all-round the better car, whereas McLaren had a very strong car at most places and the power unit advantage they had was always a big factor for them as well. Um, not to mention the qualities of the drivers, i.e. Lando Norris has been superb this season and Charles Leclerc has had his moments, signs his consistency, and of course Ricardo being brilliant on a few occasions this season. It brings us now to the final uh, furlongs of the season where there's only, was it, three and a half points between the two teams right now. And since the Turkish Grand Prix or the Russian Grand Prix, if you like, where Ferrari introduced their new... Um, uh, upgrades to the engine or particularly the electronics they seem to have found some performance in that that has now bridged that gap in terms of performance in uh, top speed if you like between the two teams to the point where Ferrari have even had the uh, the highest speed and the speed traps at a few circuits this season and now it does seem that Ferrari may have found an edge to move ahead of McLaren could potentially be a dark horse this weekend as well Menena obviously you've been following this championship back and forth you and I confessed Ferrari fans on this show. We obviously want to see the Scuderia do well. Um, given this sudden burst of performance that Ferrari have found with their new electronic system with their power unit, do you feel that they could potentially be the favourites to secure P3 in this Constructors' Championship? Could be, you know. Like, I am not sure if Ferrari has a stronger car than McLaren this season, but I do think it has not even stronger drivers, just like you said, more consistent drivers. I'm not saying it's Carlos Sainz's deed, but every single team he's at, even though he's not like in the top three, he's always very strategic. And I feel he gets really involved in his teams a little bit, kind of like Michael Schumacher, you know, if it wasn't for him, Ferrari wouldn't have won those five world championships because he constantly worked to grow Ferrari. I feel it's kind of like a similar situation with Carlos Sainz. I mean, he moved to McLaren and then McLaren started doing better because he was really involved with the engineers, with the car, with how to make everything get better. And then now he moves to Ferrari and he's very involved once again with the whole team and the team starts performing better. Like I don't, for me, it's not that coincidental, but I do feel that they could win P3 it's just that Lando Norris is so strong this season. The thing is that, like you mentioned, Daniel Ricciardo has been having his 
two or three good races, but it has to be like a team thing, you know? Lando Norris cannot carry the whole team on his shoulders. So if this continues happening, they might lose P3, you know? So I, yeah, that's just my way of seeing things. No, no, fair enough. Um, In addition to that, of course, you know, Ferrari have had some really good moments this season. They've been very, very consistent at most places. I think what was telling about the US Grand Prix was uh, two things in particular. One of which was the fact that Charles Leclerc finished almost half a minute ahead of Daniel Ricciardo in the lead in McLaren. Um, And that was sheer, just, you know, the performance of the car and Charles Leclerc combined was just fantastic. The point where Charles almost challenged uh, Sergio Perez for P3. He was that good. Um, But then, of course, we also had Carlos Sainz, who, you know, was very unlucky not to finish in P5 in that battle with Ricardo. It was just that mistake he made that led to that contact with Ricardo. Not only prevented him from finishing in P5, but he also lost a place to Bottas just before the end. I think what I'm trying to get at is, is that Sainz also said in the week that he's had a few slow pit stops from the team that have cost him some big points, i.e. in Turkey and in America as well. Do you feel because of that that Ferrari if they are going to finish P3 in this championship, they have to make sure that they eradicate those mistakes because right now it does seem they have the momentum and both of their drivers are in very good form right now. You know, I think that in that sense, Formula One is very similar to NASCAR, except that, for example, in NASCAR you're in a race and by the end of the, by the middle of the race, all of the cars change their gears and they do their little twigs and twitches and whatever. And then that can either make or break the performance of the driver or of the team. And I feel this is what happens in Formula One, you know, by the middle of the season, they all try to tweak their cars and try to improve them. But those improvements don't always necessarily work. And yeah, to respond to your question, if they don't manage to do some quick fixings on the car, it could cost them P3. Yeah, very much so. Um, Courtney, I want to get your thoughts on McLaren uh, in this battle. Of course, we've Manana and I have already talked a lot about Ferrari already. You and I have talked countless times about the progress Ferrari have made this season, which, of course, has hallmarks of what they want to do for 2022 as well, which is quite ominous judging of what we've seen so far. But in terms of McLaren's progress, they've been on a similar path from where they are right now. And despite the fact that perhaps the car, the all-round package, perhaps now tilts towards Ferrari in terms of which one has the superior all-round machinery. Do you feel that Norris and Ricardo, in turn, also have been underperforming in the last couple of races? Uh, that hasn't exactly helped the situation between the battle between the two teams. Uh, the dynamics of McLaren have been interesting lately. Um, I stated this in the, in the last review. Um, I don't think Lando has been right since his heartbreak in Sochi. You know, so close to winning that race and then that call with changing the tyres when he got wet. I've, I just don't think mentally he's recovered from that at this point. So do I think he'll recover from it? Of course. But he's going to have to sooner rather than later. So McLaren are in, are in an interesting position where, you know, we've gone from a point where they was reliant on Lando and they weren't getting enough out of Daniel. But now recently, obviously, particularly, I mean, we know how much Daniel loves it in Texas, so that would have got a bit more performance out of him. They'd be hoping that he continues with this run of form because Lando's going to have to improve back to the standard he was setting earlier on in the season, and they're going to have to get more consistency from Dan Ricciardo to secure P3 because I think 
I think it'd be slightly disrespectful to the drivers. Just so, so say Ferrari were to win because of this engine upgrade, I think it'd be disrespectful to the efforts by the drivers because both of their drivers have done well. I've always said that Charles Leclerc has the has the potential to be challenging Max Verstappen for championships, many many championships in the future. He's, I do believe, he can be of that level. And Carlos Sainz has done well as well. So I do. I, I, at this point, I think Ferrari will win it. They will secure P3, but I just hope that the drivers get the credit they deserve because I think they've both been great this year. Yeah, and and ultimately what it could come down to is the performance of the drivers in their machinery. I mean, we've we've seen so many times throughout the season where Leclerc might have an off day and he could have done better, or like in Austria, for example, you know, he could have been better there. Signs as well has been consistent, but he's had a few days or a few days where the team have let him down, for example, as he's mentioned with the slow pit stops. But then, of course, for McLaren, Ricardo's had incredible days, um, like at Monza this season, and he had a good weekend at Austin. Um, but then, of course, he's had a lot of days where he's been struggling even to get into Q3 in qualifying. So that's not exactly helped his cause. And then, of course, Lando Norris has been brilliant until after the Russian Grand Prix, where he has started to have a bit of a dip in performance. And perhaps it might be a mental thing where he might be, I don't know, struggling with the confidence that he had or maybe doubting himself. I mean, we're talking about these finely tuned, incredible athletes and drivers, of course, that even the smallest element of doubt can affect their performance in such a huge way. And maybe that's what we're seeing with Lando at the moment. I mean, Menena, after the US Grand Prix, Norris was barely in the conversation um, between in McLaren and Ferrari in that battle. With all respect to him, the only time he was really involved were two occasions where one at lap one, we tried to go for a Banzai move, up the inside of Sainz and Ricardo, almost going into Leclerc. And then, of course, that phase of the race that we didn't see on TV where Sainz allowed Norris back through and then overtook him almost immediately afterwards. Do you feel that... What do you think Lando Norris needs to do this weekend to try and get himself back in the action, um, leading the way for McLaren as he has done so often this in this season? To be honest, I have no idea how to answer your question. Because the thing is... A lot of the drivers, like for a long period of time, he was P3 during the driver standings. But then we have, you know, like Valtteri Bottas kind of struggling, whether he's going to stay in Mercedes, whether he's going to leave. And then we have Lewis Hamilton struggling with like, is Max Verstappen going to beat him? Is he not going to beat him? And then we have Chico Perez in a new team. So that gave a lot of advantage to Lando, especially confidence wise. Because here comes a super experienced driver like Daniel Ricciardo, who's not performing well at all. I feel that gave Lando Norris an extra boost. Like, I feel the only teams that actually have clear signs of driver one and driver two are Mercedes and Red Bull. We have Ferrari, we have, you know, McLaren, and both drivers are one, and both drivers are two. So I feel that gave him a lot of confidence, like, in his head, He knew he was driver number one, but then we have other drivers that started, you know, adapting better to the car and, you know, you name it. So I feel that is when Lando's stability started going down, not because of his confidence, just because the more experienced drivers were now being more focused on the game, you know? So I'm not saying he was P3 out of luck. I'm just saying a little bit of luck was involved. He's extremely talented. I do think he has what it takes to also eventually become world champion. 
I just feel not yet. You know, that's just my perception. So I don't really think that there is much that that's my opinion, much that he can do to be in the top leagues this weekend. I just feel that the top leaguers are now used to their cars and mm. he's now in a position more like where he belongs, let's say. No, that, that's a fair point. Um, so, you know, between the two of them, I'm going to come to you both quickly on who you think is going to come out on top. Do you think it's going to be Ferrari or do you think it's going to be McLaren this weekend? Manana, what do you think? Oh my gosh, that's another hard question because Daniel Ricciardo had always done well in Austin and he didn't do that great this weekend. Like I was expecting a podium from him, to be honest. But Charles Leclerc has been on the podium in Mexico, but so has Daniel Ricciardo. And Carlos Sainz has just improved so much this season compared to previous seasons. So I'm going to go with Ferrari. And uh, Courtney, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think Ferrari have taken a step forward, um, and they've got they've now got not just the drivers but the package as well. So I think look, Lando in particular, if he, if he uh, turns it around, he's if you can always you can never rule out Lando. But I just yeah, as I said, I think Ferrari have, have turned the corner here and they're building momentum for next year. And I reckon yeah, I think Charles Leclerc in particular will be seizing the initiative here. Given the nature of the circuit, I think Ferrari could be very much a dark horse, not just for, um, you know, out of them and McLaren. I think they could be a dark horse for the front two teams as well. Um, the nature of the circuit is tight and twisty, a lot of slow corners, which you've seen this season that Ferrari have been so good at. They've got pole positions at Baku and at Monaco, two circuits that have those characteristics. And of course, with the efficiency and quality of their engine upgrade, particularly with the electronics, it really does allow them to, at the very least, mitigate their biggest weakness, which is straight line speed, a strength that McLaren would rely on this weekend, but may not be able to see the benefits of if the high altitude and low air density affects the Mercedes engine the way that it's come. we've come to expect of it compared to others like Honda as well. So Ferrari could, and they won't admit to this, a lot of people will probably throw this at them, but I think Ferrari with all due respect to McLaren, should be aiming their sights higher than McLaren this weekend. I think they should be looking at potentially upsetting Red Bull Mercedes to a degree. Do I think they can win the race? Not on pure performance alone. I think they may need an element of fortune. But I'd be very surprised if Ferrari didn't think that a podium was a real possibility this weekend. And given how good Charles Leclerc in particular has been driving of late, you certainly can't rule him out. I mean, if he was that close to a podium in Austin with Perez... You put him on a track which is going to suit the Ferrari even more. You may end up with a real, real shocking result uh, for the Scuderia. So we'll have to wait and see. Although I say that, I've got a reputation of being a terrible predictor on this. So Ferrari could end up in a terrible position. But let's hope for the best for their sake. And uh, McLaren as well. I want to address um, Alpine and AlphaTauri. Um, this has kind of been an interesting battle this season in the midfield where we've had Alpine, AlphaTauri and Aston Martin. The latter of which have kind of fallen away out of this. So I'm not really going to focus on them too much this weekend. I think their sights are now purely set on the next couple of years, as it probably should be. But rewind back to uh, Russia. We had back-to-back retirements for both AlphaTauri's almost before the race had even begun, which allowed Alpine to build up as much, I think it was like a 19-20 point lead in the Constructors' Championship. Since then, we've had a strong sixth-place finish for Gasly in Turkey, and we've also had some points for Sonoda at the US Grand Prix, which have now 
closed the gap to only 10 points. We now go into a circuit which AlphaTauri will really fancy their chances at compared to Alpine because of the Honda engine that they have, which is going to be better there than the Renault engine that Alpine are running. And the car seems more suited to slower speed corners than the Alpine does. Courtney, do you feel that this could be a crucial weekend in this battle between Alpine and AlphaTauri? And perhaps this could be the first race where we really see AlphaTauri perhaps uh, getting advantage over Alpine, which could serve them well in the constructors' battle. And this is what I was referring to at beginning early on in the episode when I was talking about incidents could decide the outcome of this race. You know, this is going to be one of the battles that are going to get tense because we're in a business end um, of the season. So, you know, I think that, I think I'd love to see a great battle between Alonso and Gasly because barring Ocon's um, win in Hungary, I think Alonso and Gasly have been carrying their um, respective teams. So I think we're due a, a good battle between the drivers. And we, we know that Alonso in particular is not, not scared to go for a bold move or be overly defensive if he's ahead. So that could be one of the clashes that we see that could lead to a safety car incident. Because I think, you know, we're talking about Lewis and Mac potentially hitting each other. We could be seeing these kind of battles intensify as well. Mm, absolutely right. And on the subject of Fernando Alonso in particular... Whilst he's been as bold and aggressive as he's always been, stuff that we love Fernando for, there are occasions where it doesn't work out his way and he ends up ruining his races. We've seen that in Turkey and we've also seen that at the US Grand Prix. So do you feel that perhaps Fernando, with all due respect him, perhaps needs to wind it in a little bit so that he can just get the results he needs to get? Because right now, Gasly is driving well. Sonoda has picked up his game and Fernando has dropped big points in the last couple of races, which could be the deciding factor in this battle between them and Alpha Tauri. I don't really see Fernando Alonso changing in that regard. I mean, it's, it's been it's been the story of his career, really. I think there's no doubt in how talented the guy is. Um, for me, I think it's a bit of a travesty that, that the guy's only won two world championships based on talent alone. I need to stress this the talent alone part because throughout his career, Fernando Alonso has been his biggest enemy because of his attitude, both on track and off it. You know, if he if he stuck around at Ferrari, he could have been in a position to win championships, for example, but he's very quick to stake the team off. Same at McLaren. Since Fernando left, not certainly he's directly responsible, but since Fernando left, McLaren have been, you know, obviously going back to the team that they used to be. So I don't. I think the negative side of Fernando Alonso as a driver is showing in the last couple of races, and I don't expect that to change. No, fair enough. Um, Menena, on the topic of Alpine and AlphaTauri, we've obviously been talking a lot about Fernando. How critical <laughs> weekend do you think this could be for Pierre Gasly in particular? I know it's not going to happen, but I would love to see him on the podium. I mean. I'm also not allowed to say bad words, but let's say that Pierre Gasly has made Alpha Tauri his B, you know? Like, it's like he's the king of Alpha Tauri. It's like Red Bull's not going to take me, then he's going to do whatever he can to prove to the world how good of a driver he is. So, uh, I mean, I hadn't seen previous races with him in the Mexican Grand Prix. So I don't really want to judge his performance on this precise circuit. But I think it's a circuit where he could do really well, especially, you know, in regards of how much he's been improving lately. He has grown so much from previous season to this one. For me, he's probably one of like the most valuable players, let's say, this season. 
he's really, you know, had people turn to look at him. Whereas in the past, he was like, oh, he's a little boy that got kicked out of Red Bull, you know? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, um, I certainly wish Red Bull loved Pierre Gasly clearly as much as you do. Um, I, I think we all, I think we all love Pierre Gasly in that way. We just need to think that you know Red Bull need to show him a bit more love in that regard. Hopefully, they will next season. We'll just have to wait and see how that all pans out. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Pierre Gasly has had some very difficult things thrown his way in his career the last couple of years, and the strength of character that he has developed has probably been the greatest improvement in his all-round arsenal as a driver and and we're seeing the real Pierre Gasly we're seeing how good this kid is he is certainly a driver that the big teams should be looking at in the future years and I certainly believe he could have a strong weekend in particular um he's got the car underneath him he's a talented boy I just think we're going to see a good weekend from him but you know out of the two teams um it's important to note the efforts of the other two drivers as well um we've got Ocon who obviously you know has got points in the last couple of Grand Prix, not many, but they're all still going to count. And of course, Yuki Tsunoda, who, whilst I criticised him in Turkey rightfully for the way he drove in that race, he was very good at the American Grand Prix. So out of the two of them, Courtney, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact for their team for the rest of the season, Ocon or Tsunoda? I'm going to say Ocon because Ocon has that experience you know I, I think he's a little bit of a forgotten entity in Formula 1 but he's actually been knocking about for a while now and I think you know the business end of the season thing again this is where the experience you know this is where the experience counts you know knowing when to make an overtake thinking more about strategy this is where you are going to be seeing experienced drivers like Ocon making a difference in these type battles yeah I absolutely agree. I think if I was going to have to rely on one of the two, I would probably choose Ocon. That being said, I think Sonoda has the better machinery underneath him to get more points as well. Um, So it could be close to call. I mean, if Yuki has another few strong weekends like he did at Kota, he could do very, very well. But then Ocon, he's the more reliable bet. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, Menena, I'm sure you're keen to weigh in on this one as well. How do you feel about things between Ocon and Sonoda at their respective teams. Same as currently. I mean, Esteban Ocon has experience. Sonoda is so new, so he could be improving these last few races now that he's maturing, let's say. I don't know if that's the correct word. But I mean, Esteban Ocon even already had his first victory this season. So I do think he is going to keep on improving. He's a driver that I had never really paid attention to. And this season, I mean, I still don't pay attention to him, to be honest, but I am starting to look at him a little bit more, you know, because he has proved that he is also a driver who's maturing and improving his skills and who probably just needed to be away from Chico Perez, you know, to kind of show that. Yeah, absolutely right. I totally agree with you. Um, I forgot about that. Their time together, they were always crashing, weren't they? They're yeah, always exactly. crashing. They were, and, and in a way, I want to see that Ocon back. Like I think we saw that in Hungary, but we haven't seen enough. Like not crashing into people, but the quality and the aggression, and yeah, all the respect to Sheko Perez, he was as much part of that as anybody was. But 100%. It, it was the side of Ocon that really impressed me 
um, in terms of his performances, not crashing into his teammate, but just the other parts of it that went with it. Um, so we haven't really seen that from Ocon too much. Um, he had his win at Hungary, but that was a much different kind of performance than the ones that we saw um, when he was in the Racing Point slash Force India, um, when they were very, very successful back um, in you know a few years back. Um, let's move on, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about Williams briefly. Um, and, I, and I bring Williams up because, um, unfortunately, we had the sad news today, on the day that we're recording on a Monday, of the former Williams and Ferrari aerodynamicist uh, Antonia Terzi. Um, she sadly passed away in a car crash um, earlier today. So thoughts go out to herself, her friends and family. Really sad news. She was only 50 as well, so really shame. Um, a- Antonia was very famous for being one of the lead designers on the Walrus Nose on the FW26 uh, in the early 2000s. Courtney probably remember that. Um, a very, very strange design, but a very efficient one as well, and also producing a car that very nearly won a world championship. So, uh, yeah, a very sad day for the Williams team in particular. In terms of the racing itself, Williams are probably just going about their season, trying to close it off. They've had some really great moments this season. George Russell, of course, earning that promotion to Mercedes. Uh, Latifi, He's scored a few points this season as well. He's done what he's needed to do to secure his drive for next year, of course, alongside Alex Albon. Um, Menena, I'm interested to get your thoughts on uh, George Russell going to Mercedes because we haven't spoken about this yet. So, of course, whilst that is something that's probably been put to the back of everybody's mind until next season, what are you expecting from George Russell at Mercedes next year? Do you think he's going to be playing the wingman, with all due respect uh, to Bottas in that regard to Lewis Hamilton until Hamilton moves on? Um, a bit like a master apprentice kind of role. Or do you think George Russell is going to take it to the Lewis in the way that Lewis famously did to Fernando Alonso in the McLaren during 2007? I think that's what's going to happen. Like he really, really, really deserves the seat he's gotten, you know? And after what he saw that Mercedes did to him in Bahrain for Secure. I don't think he's going to cross his arms. Like, he he has to earn respect, you know? And if he wants to be taken seriously, especially at such a young age with a veteran that has been the world champion seven times, he has to make the team respect him and not do the same thing that they have already done to him, which him with his eyes closed, he just trusted the team. Like it was him, the one that was complaining about the race when the race ended and he was leading the whole race. And then he ended up in eighth place. So I don't think he's going to allow that to happen again, but I do think he's going to be very strategic and smart about it because he is going to the team that plays the most mind games. So I do think he has to be smart and kind of sneak in slowly, which is what I feel is going to do. Like, it's going to be like that girlfriend that broke up with the guy and turned him into a player, you know? I feel that's what's going to happen. Like, he's such a good boy right now. But once he's in the big leagues, he has to, you know, be in the same, at the same level. And I feel that's what's, gonna happen like it probably won't even happen this season like 2022 but it will happen eventually he's gonna flip it on Lewis I think do you know what Courtney with that wonderful analogy that Menena just mentioned um uh, for some reason I've got Avril Lavigne's skater boy going through my head as soon as I hear that um I'm not gonna sing it because I wouldn't do it justice I'll let Avril do that I'll let Avril do that she's better at that um but (laughs) yeah I don't know why it's going through my head um 
that's that's how you know that we're born in the 90s that kind of music going on <laughs> yeah. uh it's a great time to be great time to be a kid it was back then um okay th- let's talk about alfa romeo big story of course with andretti uh looks like they're pulling the plug on the deal owing to some new financial terms that they weren't willing to agree with which is a shame of course because we won't see that american influx into f1 that i sure hope that we wanted and of course a lot of american fans at cota probably left thinking they were looking forward to seeing next season not going to happen as far as we're aware at least for now but uh, that does leave a situation of course where we're still waiting to find out who is going to be the second driver next season um now manella of course first of all it's going to be a shame that Kimi raikkonen is retiring of course a great character uh, throughout his entire F1 career, former world champion, of course, back in 2007. Um, but in terms of the teammate for Bottas, 2007, yeah. Yeah, Ferrari's still their last world champion, sadly. So uh, I'll remember that date very, very well. And it's going to be hard. I've got a wall at home just tallying one more year after the other until we get a new crown. You're, you're, you're going to run out of plaster, Adam. Yeah, I'm going to need a new house <laughs> just to put a new, new tally chart up. I'm counting on Charles or Carlos. One of you guys, one of you have got to do it at some point. Come on. Next year, we'll go for it. Ferrari 2022. Um, but... Yeah, all that aside, um, we've got a few names that have been thrown in. Guan Yu Zhou was the favourite for some time, of course, until the Andretti rumours came around. Then we saw names like Pato Award. Obviously, you'd have a great interest in him uh, and the Mexican fan base as well would. Um, Colton Herta, another driver that was mentioned in. And then, of course, we've seen some other drivers like Oscar Piastri as well that's been chucked in. Um, What do you think? Uh, Who would you like to see in that car alongside Bottas next season, Menina? Well, I would really love to see Antonio Giovinazzi stay on the team, but I think he's kind of like made it obvious to us and made it clear that he's not staying because if he were, he would seem slightly more at ease, let's say. And he's been the one saying himself, like, I don't even know if it's going to be me, that one that's going to stay. So I do think that Joe could come to the team since he is bringing a lot of money Like Formula One is always about the rumors. And for the first time in a long time, everybody's turning to look at Alfa Romeo because it's the only team that has not announced his two drivers, you know? And if he does bring a lot of money, we could have a more competitive car, which is kind of similar to what happened to Williams this season, you know? Who would have thought Williams would have any points? So I think that Alfa Romeo could be in a similar situation and they do have Valtteri Bottas which is a strong driver so I don't really think they want to let him down that easily and I don't think he's going to be let down that easily so yeah I do think probably so I don't know yeah, it does seem that Guan Yu Zhou has probably emerged as the favourite once again after the Andretti rumours have completely died now owing to yeah. that deal falling uh, falling apart. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people have expressed their desire to see Oscar Piastri in that car. Antonio Giovinazzi has not technically been ruled out, but whenever you talk to the guy, he seems to be more concerned about what Ferrari are doing long-term rather than what his <laughs> short-term is, which is a bit strange. Um, we should That's also, you know... I mean, Piastri is going to be a little bit hard because he is in the Alpine Young Drivers Academy. So I'm not sure that they can just like switch that easily. No, Like it's different no. once he's already in Formula One, which is kind of similar to what happened to Alex Albon, you know? He stopped belonging to Red Bull and now he's in Williams. 
like what yeah i mean with that kind of deal in particular is a good example and it, and it is a good example it's it's almost one of those with like um how can I put it? It's like when Red yeah. Bull when were still using the Renault engines, but we're calling them Tag Heuer engines just to spike Renault. It's a bit like that with Alex Albon in that, yes, technically he has sort of broken his connection with Red Bull just to appease Mercedes. But we all know it, it, that as soon as Red Bull come calling for Albon, he'll jump ship to the Red Bull team again. Oh, so it, it's, it's a bit strange like that, how that all goes around like that. But that, that's F1 for you. Um, Corny obviously i know you are keen to weigh in on this debate i mean mm. what do you think's going on now with alfa romeo do you think they're just going to go with plan a and go with guan Yuzhou, or do you think there's any chance for a late comer to get that seat because it just we don't have a clue who it's going to be at the moment no well, you know i have my opinions on afro romeo in my opinion like no 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 i know you mentioned earlier on about sort of forgetting about esteban ocon right i feel that alfa romeo along with Haas, are probably the most forgettable team in Formula One, I think they've become boring. I think since Leclerc left and Kimi Räikkönen has tailed off, I think they've been boring. So I expect them to make the boring decision and bring in Guan Yu Zhou, which would be let, let's be honest, it isn't going to excite. If apart from if you're Chinese, it's not really going to excite anybody. And I just think it's a shame because I think actually I, I think Alfa Romeo need to make themselves more of a brand. Yes, Valtteri Bottas is going to help with that. But I'd like to see them go with take a little bit of a risk and go with an exciting driver like Piastri or even Teo Porcher. I'd love to see Teo Porcher be given a chance because he's one of the most exciting up-and-coming young drivers in the junior categories. And I think they need that injection of energy to bring their standards up because I, I do, I just feel that Afro and Mayo are probably the most forgettable team on the grid at the moment. <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, Teo Porcher would be a good show. I don't think he's quite ready yet. I think that'd be a bit too much for him. I think Oscar Piastri is definitely ready. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to get his chance because, of his, as you said, Manana, with his connections with Alpine, it's not quite straightforward to get him in. Um, but I know Oscar Piastri would be dying to get a Formula 1 seat and I think he deserves the opportunity. And he deserves it, to be honest. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, of course. I think this has been the problem with the F2 calendar. I'm not going to go off too much on a tangent because we're going to wrap this episode up soon. But the, the way that the F2 calendar and F3 calendar this year has been so spread out that we've not had many races, an issue that they've addressed for next season, so we'll not have that. He has kind of put that on the back burner to the point where drivers have had to find opportunities in other series. We had Jack Aitken, of course, um, doing racing in other series as well. We've had, um, was it Liam Lawson? He was racing in DTM racing as well in between the races. So he's kind of made those drivers be a bit of an afterthought. And yet when you see him turn up again, Oscar Piastri goes and puts in a blinder of a performance, probably will win the F2 championship. And everyone's like, we forgot about this kid for like three months at a time and like why is he not in an F1 car? So it's crazy. F1 needs more teams. We need to get these guys in there because these are some supreme yeah. talents and they're just not getting the opportunity. But look, that's another chat for another day for another episode. Um, we're going to round this off talking about Huss quickly. Um, there's not really much to say on the key to Mazepin, to be honest. Um, so we've already mentioned him. So we're going to leave that to one side. But um, Manena, what have you thought about Mick Schumacher this season? Because he's put together some really good performances from on occasion when he has no right to be, particularly, of course, in Turkey, when he managed to get into Q2 on merit, very nearly into Q3, actually. Um, and, you know, race after race after race, he not only beats his teammate, but he absolutely trounces him. So it makes you think this kid is certainly improving and putting in some strong performances together. Do you feel that it's only a matter of time or will... Bigger teams be looking at Mick Schumacher, perhaps not for next season, but beyond that? 
A hundred percent. I do think he is extremely talented. I mean, and he has it in his genes, you know, because we have the case of Max Verstappen in which his dad was also in Formula One, but was not that remarkable. So he was like the improved version of his dad. But then we have here, which is the other way around. I mean, you can't be a bad driver if you're the son of a seven times world champion. I mean, it could be a casualty, but I don't really think that's the case. Mick Schumacher has proved to us by winning F3, by winning F2, that he is a really talented driver. And I don't remember if I read this on an article or if I was talking about it with somebody, but what they said was really true. We have here Mick Schumacher joining Formula One. All eyes were on him. Like, forget everybody else. Everybody was talking about him. And the fact that he was in... I mean, sorry to sound so mean, but in such a poor team, you know, that kind of took off the pressure from people looking at him, which is a good thing because that gives him more time to mature, to get used to Formula One, to get used to Formula One cars and to grow without having the world looking, like watching his every move. Because people are like, oh, he's in Haas. Like, I'm not even going to look at him because... What is there to look at, you know? So I think that all of a sudden, once he starts, you know, climbing into higher teams, he's going to be ready for the world to be talking about him. He's going to be older. He's going to be more mature. And I mean, because of his life situation, I've always felt he has been a really mature person. So I think it's only a matter of time for him to show to the world what he's actually capable of. Couldn't have said it better myself, uh, to be honest. Uh, and I think that's a good way to round off the episode, actually. I mean, have either of you got a bold prediction for this weekend? Well, not a bold prediction. <laughs> well, something crazy random. Not necessarily like who's going to win, but anything crazy or random you think might happen this weekend? Uh, well, William's doing well in qualifying. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> Courtney? I'm going to say, I think, I think you've got a point about Ferrari, Adam. I think Ferrari could be in the mix and could actually play a role in this tight championship. You know, if they end up taking more points off um, Mercedes or say Max has a bad start and they end up holding Max up, Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz could play a role in this championship. And you know what? As uh, For the neutrals, I'm sure they'd love that. Yeah, certainly would. I mean, the Mexican fans would probably appreciate a Ferrari win if they can't get Red Bull or Checo Perez in particular. Um, for me, I think there's only one bold prediction I can think of for this episode, and that's if uh, if Checo Perez wins the Grand Prix, Menena's the first one to tackle and embrace him at the end of it on TV. And that, <laughs> I'll push his wife away. Well, I mean, we, don't, we don't have to go crazy. I'm thinking more along the lines of, because, um, you know, we're promoting happy families here. Um, oh. <laughs> the one sure. that ruined it all. But no... <laughs> But um, yeah, it'd be a weird one. No, I'm I'm imagining an image of Checo Perez on the top step of the podium. Do you remember the US Grand Prix where for some reason Shaquille O'Neal just didn't get off the podium and everyone's like, well, I ain't telling Shaquille O'Neal he can't stand on the podium. So they just went with it. I'm imagining a scene where Menena does the same thing. We've got Checo on the top step. Menena's just standing in between him and Max Verstappen in second or Lewis or whichever one it is. It's like, I ain't getting off. I don't care if he's bring his wife on. I am staying on this podium. I'm with Checo. That's going to be me. Absolutely. Or oh, you can, yeah. the guys for the camera. Oh, I'm counting on it. I'm expecting you to hold up a piece of paper with our socials on there and try and plug us while we're at it. With yours, you can have one of our shirts. 
Yeah, exactly. exactly. I will, I will be great. sending everything with our logo on it to Menena, just as much plugging as possible. But speaking <laughs> of plugging, of course, Menena, where can our followers find you on socials and your okay. YouTube channel as well? Yes. So everywhere, like TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, anything. It's a girl talks F1. Brilliant. And of course, don't forget you've got, you've got your uh, Spanish speaking channel as well. Right. Which is the same thing, but it ends with MX. Lovely. Well, guys, of course, we will leave uh, Menena's social links in the description if you are watching on YouTube. Incidentally, of course, if you have enjoyed this episode, please make sure to give it a like and consider subscribing to the channel. We're still trying to push for 500 subs. So if you can really help us with that, we'd really appreciate that. And of course, the DNF1 F1 podcast is an independent F1 podcast based on all your favorite social, uh, favorite podcasting platforms, I should say. So of course, if you are listening to us on that, make sure to follow us. And of course, consider giving us a review if you can. We'd love it if you give us a five-star review. It'd really help out the pod and get us out to further parts of the world than we already currently reach. That said, uh, thank you very much for tuning in, guys. We have been DNF1. Please stay safe. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.